Hi everyone, this is the Love Your Career podcast. I'm Lauren Severus, CEO of Love Recruitment and Love Care Recruitment. And the aim of this podcast is simple. We want to give you the best advice from industry professionals to help you grow and love your career. We want companies to be able to take guidance on improving their recruitment process and for individuals to pick up knowledge, hints, tips of how to progress their career. We do this by letting our guests tell their stories. Thank you for listening. Truly, we hope you learn to love your career. This is the Love Your Career podcast. Today's guest is John Hastings. John is the managing director and master franchisee for Strong Pilates. Really, really looking forward to his insights today. Welcome to the Love Your Career podcast with myself, Lauren Severest. Today I'm joined by, I think, saying the legend is about right, uh, John Hastings, who's uh, currently the managing director and master franchisee of Strong Pilates UK. Uh, you may know John from his sporting background. I described it as a world-class sporting background earlier, which you, uh, you, weren't, you weren't so sure about, but absolutely world-class sporting background. John, it's been lo- really, really lovely getting to know you recently. I love your energy, your expertise, and all that stuff can really, really come out today. And hopefully, if you don't mind as well, just jumping into maybe talking about a little bit about the, the sporting background and the transition as well. But first things first, thank you so much for joining us. Lawrence, thanks for having me here. I'm excited. It's been nice to get to, to know you uh, personally, Abby, and, and the whole Love Recruitment team. So I'm, I'm looking forward to spending a bit of time with you today. It'll be good. Honestly, I'm really looking forward to it. I know we've had to re- um, reject it a couple of times. It's so nice having you here. I'm really, I've, I've been genuinely looking forward to this all week about sitting down with you and having this conversation. So I think there's going to be so much in there. Let's start with the question we always start with. It's the best place to start. This is the Love Your Career podcast. Have you loved your career so far? I have. I, I've, I've very much loved my career. I mean, it's it's very different coming from a sporting background and then into a, a business transition. Um, but, you know, I, I'm i one of those guys who, you know, you don't, I don't really look back. I look forward. Nice. Um, there's always some things that you can do differently along the journey. But, you know, no regrets from my point of view. I think the friendships I've made all around the world playing cricket, um, and it's pro- probably helped me to where I am now over here, obviously, sitting with you. So, um, yeah, it's been been a really good journey it's one that I'm always continually continually learning and upskilling and um, but you know there's no regrets from what what I've done in the past and there's no sort of nothing holding me back for the future either so I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to well hopefully the uh, HMRC will let me stay a little longer than three years but um, you know we're, we're over here with the master license for, for strong Pilates and I'm I'm just really grateful for it and um, I'm actually loving my time here as well, which is great. Amazing. Before we jump into more in-depth about the, the background, which I definitely want to, I've already written down two questions already. Let's take the opportunity to jump into Strong Pilates right off the bat so people, yep. people are aware of what it is that you run here in the mm. UK. Can, can you talk to us about Strong Pilates? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think our co-founders, um, Michael Ramsey and Mark Armstrong, they were heavily involved in F45 for, for a period and they had the best two performing studios in the world basically for, for a long substantial period, over 400 members and very entrepreneurial, um, very aware of what the, the current climate needed in the fitness industry. So being on one side of the franchisee fence, they, they thought what, they were looking at sort of what, what the next sort of area of growth was and they identified Pilates and they basically 
came up with a method. Um, they went over to the States after a lot of research and found a, a piece of equipment that's really quite unique. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing like what we are doing um, out there on the market, which is a really good, easy sell for me to be a master nice. franchisee. <laughs> but, um, you know, to, to be able to sit back and identify a growth um, phase in a, a genre of fitness, I think is really high quality from, from those two gentlemen. So. You know, I've known them for 16, 17 years. We nice. actually had an F45 license together. Um, and then, you know, I think when they came to me about strong Pilates, I used to do Pilates a lot when I was playing cricket. It was a recovery tool for me. But I love the idea of a low-impact, high-intensity Pilates workout. And that's yeah. exactly what we've we've been delivered and, and what we are continuing to deliver. So we, we sort of thought, you know, people spend a lot of money on Pilates. They also then go elsewhere to get their strength and their conditioning. So yeah. Concept two rower inbuilt to the frame of a basically a megaformer's Pilates style machine and adding in a lot lot of different workouts in terms of functional strength with heavy dumbbells and um, you know our programming team do a phenomenal job so um, I, I'm really pleased with the product and where what our journey's been over the last sort of four and a half five years and I think what I'm seeing here in the UK is that there is such a big need for reformer Pilates um, and I, I just feel like there's the, the demand is there um and no one else is really providing on a big scale you know 15 to 20 bed studios yeah. they're all sort of 10 to 12 and are full yeah so you know we're, we're a, a larger scale um we do offer traditional pilates as well but you know we are very different we are hybrid and we don't make any apologies for that no. but it's a tough workout you know i'm sort of burning up to 750 800 calories in a session it's crazy and huh? If you're saying that with Pilates and, and cardio, then it's it's a really good mix. I know the guys have been to the studios to do the um, one boutique week, and <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna start on that one, but I'll definitely come to the next one. It looks amazing. It looks like a obviously proper workout. Yeah. Really, really hard. It's it's a clean, crisp um, fit out and look. Yeah. You yeah. know, our marketing team's world class. They do a really, really good job. We the brand's awesome. Yeah, the branding is 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 really really high end, and you know, I I think. We're trying to destigmatize and get a lot of men involved in Pilates as well. Yeah. I think the benefits are just so so great. We all know the benefits of Pilates and lengthening um, your muscles, um, you know, good for posture, mental health, all that sort of thing. But when you're adding in the, the cardio element of a rower and a bike, and then also adding in heavy dumbbells, it's just a great combination. Yeah. And I don't think you need to go anywhere else for your workout. So many, um, so many sportsmen and sports men, men and women do Pilates and it's almost an, an slightly still a little bit unknown that that's the case isn't it yeah it is I, I feel big strapping Aussie fast bowler doing it <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> there's plenty of others as well we've got a lot of um, AFL footballers that are nice. um, you know on board and ambassadors as well so in, in back home in Australia but you know we did a um, it's interesting you say that you know we, we did a mental health sort of call out if you like and, yeah. and gave away a few um, free trials for, for a men's mental health week uh, a couple of weeks ago nice. and the uptake on that was phenomenal and to see so many you know gentlemen coming through the studio it's been phenomenal to see but I think it's really good for, for the ailing um, male body but it's also good you know, for every everybody really nice you mentioned a phrase earlier right at the top which I wrote down straight away so I really loved you said don't look back look forward it sounds so simple but you started with that that tells me that resonates with you and it's something you live by a little bit where did, where did that come from? Oh, uh, it's probably you know I grew up in a little country town um, 
in New South Wales called Londonderry, there's only sort of a, a petrol station and a, and a bottle shop. That was <laughs> okay. about it and, you know, a couple of hundred people. So I don't know. I think it's probably just the country lifestyle and, the, uh, you know, the way we are as, as Australians. It's kind of you just crack on and get things done. Yeah. Um, obviously, in saying that, I, I, I do look back and analyse and how I can get better, you know, in a business sense. But personally, I think, you know, I just, just crack on and, and get it done. Nice. Before we talk more about strong Pilates, which I definitely want to do in terms of what's happened since you've been here, to the, the transition from world-class sport, playing for Australia, high, top top of the game in terms of where, where, you, where you could be, how was the transition from from that into into what you're doing now? You mentioned the F45 studio, obviously you have the studio in Australia, and doing what you're doing now. How, did, how was that transition? Was it tough? Was it challenging? Yeah, it was really tough, Lawrence. It was, um, you know, I, I think... We used to get, I mean, the Australian Cricket Association is very, very good. So our players association that looked after us as cricketers was phenomenal. Nice. I think, you know, really, really well led at times through Paul Marsh um, and then on to Alistair Nicholson. But for, for me, it was very much about, I had a lot of injuries when I was playing. So I sort of thought, you know, this isn't going to last forever. <laughs> I did a teaching degree right off the bat, multiple small business courses. Um, you know, I dabbled a little bit in commentary and did a bit of media training. And whilst you are still playing? Whilst I was still playing, yeah. So I, I was sort of in a better position than most when mm. it was sort of time to come transitioning out of the game. Um, the Australian Cricket Association pay um, quarterly at 4,000 uh, Australian dollars to upskill you in, in learning, basically. So amazing. they'll pay for your study. It's an amazing concept and, you know, we're very thankful for that. But... I was one of the lucky ones that did take that up and set myself up for having a crack at some business opportunities outside of cricket when I finished in, in 2017. But it's tough. You know, you literally... I spent 17 years in the system and literally you get there and one day it's you're cleaning out your locker and that's it. It's yeah. basically you don't go and have breakfast, lunch and afternoon tea with all your teammates. It's literally you clean out your locker, you're outside of the bubble and it's tough, you, you, you're on your own after that. You don't rely on physios and masseuses every day and you know, you're know you not in there trying to upskill yourself and be better and you don't have your teammates around you to then have a common goal to achieve, achieve success. Yeah. Um, so you've sort of got to find that within yourself outside. So it was a little bit rough for a period, but I was kind of lucky that you know there's a really good transition program from the ACA and I think they had a dedicated support worker um, for you to then go right well, what do you need in the next six months after you finish up and for me we were starting um, our hospitality ventures and it was support with you know videoing marketing um, that side of the ACA that I really tapped into so nice. you know it was tough coming out but I did have something to go straight into so it was an easy one sort of in a sense and for me to just keep busy and yeah. you know be distracted by starting a business um, but I've seen many of my mates come out of the game and just have nothing. You know? Is that because you don't think they were as well, didn't have the same foresight and weren't as well prepared to know that it could overnight end? It's probably because they didn't have as many injuries as I did. You know, I, my first injury was a really, really bad one. I had a shoulder reconstruction and then I had five ankle operations, another three shoulder reconstructions, major knee ops. So I sort of think oh, this is going to end at any minute. Yeah. Um, but... A lot of guys don't have that, especially batters. You know, they sort yeah. of tend to have a broken finger here or there. They're blessed <laughs> batters. But <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's probably a combination. I think the program got a lot better towards the back end of my career in terms of transition and support. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, it's really up to the individual whether they want to take that initiative and, and set themselves up for, for life after sport. This is such a tricky one, and forgive me for asking this, but on, the, on that point, I read on the question, what, what is it about people that recognise the need? Because to have that programme there, it takes us, does it take a certain type of person to have that recognition of what an amazing opportunity it is? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a combination, I think. I think if you are a star from a young age, yeah. I think it's really hard to break out of that mentality and think that you're not going to be a professional cricketer for 15, 20 years and set yourself up and you don't have to work another day in your life. Um, unfortunately, there's probably a handful of those guys that can actually do that. So yeah. it's probably about having really good people around you when you were young yeah. and really good mentors along the journey. Nice. You know, there's some that I've seen with managers that'll just feed feed people information that's probably inaccurate um, but uh, from from my point of view I, I was lucky I had some really good mentors when I was growing up um, and when I came into the system you know I, I don't know I just think I just had this ability to, to see that this wasn't going to last forever and then I needed to upskill myself to be able to then go all right nice. well I've finished one career I'm going into another yeah and Less lessons from top level sport. I imagine you've taken those lessons, that coaching, that world class sport that you've had into the business world. Can, can you pinpoint maybe two, two or three of those key things you've taken from elite level sport into what you do now? I think a lot of skills transition into business, yeah. absolutely. Um, discipline for one, um, I think is a really big one. You need yeah. to be able to be disciplined enough to execute what you're doing from a business plan perspective, but also work ethic is just second to none. I think you really need a, a big drive and you've got to work long hours when you're starting a business. Um, but I think the sense of team environment as well. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be captain at, at some points throughout my career. And I think that those leadership skills that I gained um, now then running a team that I have over here in the UK, it's it, it all transitions and it's, it's transferable for yeah. me. So, you know, I really felt that, that there's a lot that can, can sort of transfer across. Yeah. A common theme has come up in a few we've had so far is you learn from not only the inspirational ones, but obviously sometimes you learn equal lessons from the bad ones as well. Oh, absolutely. Almost you know how to deal with certain <laughs> difficult people. I had I, There was a time where I had some big names in the Melbourne Stars that I was try, trying to <laughs> almost wrangle them in to, to push in one direction. So, yeah, I mean, there is. You, you learn a lot from the great ones, yeah. but you also learn a lot from those that have sort of a few attitude problems, if you like. I won't mention any names. No, of course not. No, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. What's been your best career decision today, either within the sporting world or since when you transitioned out? It might even be the transition itself. But what's been your best career decision so far? Can I answer that question in five years after we've been here for... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to come back at any time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, look, I think coming straight out of of cricket going into business was a good thing for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think upskilling myself when I was playing cricket was a really good decision. Um, but then also just delving into the business world. I, you know, I was quite raw, you know, five, six years ago, but making it the decision to step into strong Pilates and then also take the master franchise license over in the UK has been a really, really good learning curve. We, you know, we've been sort of setting up for the last 12 months over here and yeah. just moved over. Um, Keeping in contact with all my network has been a really big thing for me as well. I think Back in Oz? Yeah. Over here more so. Okay, you know, fine. Because I've obviously played some cricket over here. I played up at Durham for three years. I played at Worcester. I played yeah. at Wimbledon when I was a kid. And those contacts that I made along the journey have really helped me um, 
be settled here. Nice. But also, from a business sense, there's a lot of people that are willing to help that I find over here. Like, I don't know what it is with with English people and Australians. Australians, it's very much, oh yeah, whatever you need, mate, I'll, I'll help you. But over here, I find it quite genuine when someone says, look, I'll get you in contact with this person. And they are more genuine in a sense of they're willing to help. That's Good. one Amazing. one thing that Love I've that. actually no- noticed over here. So yeah, I think that's one of the big things for me is just keeping in contact with the network as well has been has been a really big thing for me. Yeah, I think we've, this, this industry has come such a long way. Um, when I first started out, it was very, it's very separate, and may, maybe maybe it's, it's better now because the, perhaps more, the more senior I've got as well. But the the industry wanted to help each other out. This podcast is a classic case of that. Yeah. To me, every, all the people I've had on, you ask the question, "Would you like to come as a guest?" Of course we will. Yeah. I come. On. People want to help each other, and I think it was going that way anyway. But I think the pandemic actually, it, obviously, as horrendous as it was help to bring the industry together even more. Mm. And there's a really lovely network of really good senior people that we have. I, I Spot on, Lawrence, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, a, a big reason for that is how dense the population is, is specifically over here. Yeah. I think there's so many different concepts out there and they all do very good things individually, but there's room for everyone. Yeah. You know, it's not a big competition thing. What we're doing as fitness professionals, we're trying to make people's lives better. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just embrace the fact that there is competition and work together to achieve a common goal and that's trying to make people's lives better isn't it so, yeah absolutely you know i've got no issue with chatting to to other pilates studios or you know about how they sort of look after their clients or whether it's another functional strength gym or whether it's a big box gym i i I'd really like to learn and listen and hear things from from fitness professionals yeah yeah because we're all trying to ultimately yeah we want to make money but two you've got to be able to try and change people's lives in a sense as well that's Absolutely. that's the reason for for being in the fitness industry i love how this is going you're always one question ahead of me without even realizing <laughs> it that my next question is, is what's your why i ask it to every guest and that seems to be a little bit that there's a the, the conversation we've had the passion the, the the enthusiasm that you have you want to make a difference to people yes of course you want to make money you want to build a great brand mm. but you generally want to make a difference to people is it is to it i'll spend um five questions in one then what's your <laughs> why is it around topics like that do you know what i love I, I love people that are have been thinking about business for a while and dip their toe into franchising because basically you know we've gotten our sort of onboarding process and and all our back end into a position where it's pretty much all there yeah in the fitness industry i find that so many fitness professionals that are either pts or you know have the are sole traders but when they actually step into a franchise world they they excel but it's maybe not having that business now behind them to be able to execute a vision that they have so for me to see them come in we get them on boarded yeah. they're loving strong pilates and then they go on to do site two, three, and four. I yeah. absolutely love just seeing them flourish in a business sense as it well. It can be a risk, can't it? People go into financial as well because they have the completely wrong or a misperception of what it's going to be like. Absolutely, and that's one thing I'm really strong on when I'm when I'm speaking to people is we want to find the right franchise partners. You yeah, know, it's. I think it's a really big thing in franchising that you need to be able to work with good people. It's it's tough, you know. If if you've got a couple that are just dragging the chain a little bit, that's a lot of your resource and time is spent on trying to pick those up to be where they need to be. So, I think the vetting is a big one. Um, but you know, for me, my why is is seeing people just 
having the passion but not necessarily the business sense to be able to execute their dream and for us to facilitate that is a really big thing yeah that's a real common thing isn't it working with great people it makes yeah. life that little bit easier when you work with great people absolutely great and you know I'm sort of piggybacking off what you know Mark and, and Michael have done in Australia in yeah. terms of you know we, we had our conference in Bali you know a year ago and must have been awful it was horrendous it was, you know, <laughs> 35 degrees and you know the beers were cold so it was, oh, it was tough awful, um, awful. but one thing i did really notice there is that was sort of our first sort of 25 to 30 franchise partners and everyone was on the same page and there were so many different walks of life in the actual room but to see how good the people were and see how bigger advocates they were for our brand was a really good thing and i've sort of taken that over here to the to the UK and you know our first sort of 10 to 15 are great people over here as well so Amazing. I'm looking forward to that journey nice this episode is brought to you by share the love for every placement we make we plant 50 trees in the name of our recruitment partners share the love was inspired by David Attenborough's a life on our planet and thus far has seen us plant close to 20,000 trees, well on track for our 100,000 target. It's something we're incredibly passionate about. And if you'd like to find out more, you can visit either of our websites and find the Share the Love sections. Thanks very much. So mate, we've, uh, we've alluded to some influences and some of the things and lessons you've taken from the sporting world into business and some of the business influences on you as well. But mm. um, we've, we, it's, a, it's an area we visit on this podcast a lot. It's the importance of mentorship and of influences. Yeah. Have you found that that has been a big part of your career, both having great mentors and then in turn, as a business leader now, leading and mentoring your teams? Is it an important part of business? It's massive. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. I mean, you know, the people that have trodden the path before you have a lot more experience than you when you're starting out. So it's a natural thing to connect with someone who, yeah. you, who you feel will be beneficial, not only personally, but in a business sense. And for me, I've, I've been very lucky. One of my really good mates and um, who's a part sort of investor in the master license that we have over here in, in the UK is, is Matt Berryman and you know he's the chairman of mental health australia he started a, a very successful company called unlocked media who's now obviously getting sued by google in the courts which is an oh, unfortunate no. thing but <laughs> you know he, he's a good friend and um he's someone that i sort of lean to in a business sense and to have that been tapping into that over the last probably you know 10 years is, nice. is phenomenal um it's you know, so important it's so amazing is when you find that person that can help you I've got a couple of those yeah, as well absolutely and it's a must you know yeah. for anyone that's starting a business out there it is very important you can't do everything yourself even though you think you might be able to you just can't and there's you know there's only 24 hours in a day and some of those need to be sleep so can I come back to something you said right when you first started speaking is some people have done it before and mm. that's where less than people don't really understand it makes your life so much easier by using experience that someone else has done it before it sounds so obvious when you say it out loud but it's not people don't grasp that They've, people have been through it people are proud yeah. and I get that but you, you really need to know that people yeah. are, know a lot more than you out there there's people that have done extraordinary things in yeah. the world and in business and yeah. the more you can tap in and, and just be a sponge and soak all that up the better off you're going to be to make your own you know informed decision when the time's right yeah um, and you know on, on the flip side of that i like being a leader i do i always have when i was playing cricket yeah. but now that i'm in a business um world and a fitness world I, I like sort of leading people down a path um that they want to go on and i'm happy to just 
lend an ear to to all my stuff whenever they need. I'm very, I'm quite an open book when it comes to that sort of thing, and I like to look after my staff yeah. and to get the best out of them. I think is, you know, being that sort of person that they can come up and talk to. I'm not an authoritarian where I just sort of you know smack the ruler down and this is what we're doing. It's very much a team effort, um, and that's I find that that works. Nice. In terms of if we talk, we've spoken about the, the people side of it and that shines through as soon as you speak about it. But in terms of other influences like books, podcasts, people you've listened to that maybe aren't as quite as close to in terms of mental mentee relationship, are there any books or podcasts that have influenced you that have helped shape you and made you better? I'm a real people person. Nice. So I sort of, I tend to rely on life experience more than sort of paperback copy if you like nice. i do like tend to listen to a few different fitness podcasts in a sense of, of some of the trends and yeah yeah you know a bit of background um knowledge but there's there's probably a few books along the journey where you go mm, okay the subtle art of not giving a <laughs> stuff was was one for me i just you know i had a really big thing with people i like to be liked and that's something that i work on daily is you know not worrying about what sort of what people think of you? I need to trust that the, what I'm doing is nice. is correct. So that was a big thing for me, and I sort of work with people rather than than books. Um, but in saying that, I have sort of delved into a few more podcasts recently, and um, you know, I, I'm a very I don't trust everyone easily. So you know, I sort of have four or five people that I can turn to and and tap into their life experiences more yeah. so than than rely on having the time to sit down and read a book or, or listen to a podcast. Um, Do you mind me asking you about this? I'm sure that's something a lot of people experience that like to be liked. Mm. You mentioned about um, subtle art. I, I won't say that word either. Yeah. Um, I, I guess my question is, did that help? And how is it, how else have you tried to overcome that? Was that an ongoing thing? I think it's an ongoing thing, but you know, I, I, I work quite hard on it. I just feel like... I don't have to reply to every email in 30 seconds. I just, I, I don't have to answer every phone call if I'm not available. You know, I you are incredibly stressed. good at that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> when I email you or call you, you, you yeah. are. On <laughs> I try to, but I mean, you know, I, it used to consume me. I mean, you know, you get a lot of emails and calls and you speak to people regularly every day, you know, it's back to back to back and yeah. you're busy and it's a busy way of life, but you need to switch off and you need to be able to manage Completely it agree. and have balance. So. Yeah. That's one big thing I'm working on personally at the moment is just to try and find that sort of balance. And, you know, at the end of the day, people don't mind if you're getting back to them 24 or 48 hours later. Sometimes it's even longer, but I struggled with it at the start. You know, it was customer feedback when we had our three gyms and, you know, hospitality, you'd always get complaints and bad reviews and how do you deal with that? But in the end of the day, you just got to be true to yourself and what you believe in. And then I don't think, you know, the rest of it, takes care of itself really yeah let's talk about some career advice for people so you've you've been in you've been in change rooms you've been in business you've done you've, you've opened clubs been in restaurants mm. career advice to people maybe may, may, may in, in two ways first starting out what what if people starting their careers what sort of advice would you give to people in terms of behaviours actions things that they can do when they're first starting out that's going to separate them because I'm sure you've seen it from both sides both good and bad yeah uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting question isn't it and I think being quite level you know helped me when I was playing cricket yeah 
you know, don't get too up when you're up and you're riding the highs, but don't get too down when you're down. You've got to try and stay as level as you possibly can. And I took that into a business sense as well. Nice. Sometimes you get a little bit heightened and the stress levels go up, but I, I find get as much knowledge as you possibly can into your system and make an informed decision for you. Yeah. Get as much as you possibly can from people or if it is, you know, books or podcasts or whatever your chosen way to in, you know, inhale knowledge is, then make that informed decision for yourself because ultimately you've got to live and die by what you do what you do yeah you know so it's it's not about oh i saw this great piece of um information the other day from someone and you implement it and you go oh well that wasn't me anyway it was someone else it's it's not about that it's about being acting with conviction i feel yeah uh, and just being quite level it's it's really tough when you're going up and down and riding a roller coaster it's not good for anyone so no, I get that, and it's 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 the, the the being you is really important as well. Because sometimes you can have all these lessons you read and you guide and people give you advice, but ultimately you've got to do what you think's right, which is hard early hard early on. <coughs> so excuse me in terms of career, <coughs> but as you as you get older, I think you you develop more of a um, a safety in your skin almost, and it's really important to yeah. to learn that. And again, the people sat in your chair have said that so if I Catherine spoke about be brilliant but be you yeah it always has to be you yeah oh it's it's a massive massive thing and I I I would hate to just change from the person that I was for the last 37 or 30 38 37 yeah (laughs) (laughs) for the last 37 years you know you don't want to change the fabric of who you are as a person yeah Um, but I also believe in you know strengthening up your weaknesses so yeah. I fill gaps where you know I'm not great with tech you know so I, I fill that gap um, accordingly yeah if there's if there's something in your business that you are not good at then don't be afraid to get someone that can strengthen that weakness yeah. I mean it sounds very simple but it takes a lot for some people to be able to recognize that and go actually I'm no good at that rather than failing a little bit with it and carrying on for an extra month embrace or two, it. just yeah. embrace it. Yeah. You know, I'm not good at that. <clears throat> don't, don't be afraid. You don't, you to don't say have it. to be. You get someone else in to do that. We've had certain elements of our business where we've had to be like that. It, it's it's okay to hold your hands up and say, I'm not, I'm not great at that. Absolutely. When you first start out in a small startup, you kind of have to be jack of all trades, but yeah. you can learn to bring those skills into the business, can't you? Absolutely. Outsource. Just yeah. just get someone in that can fill that gap. Would the advice you've given, which is fantastic on that point for, for people starting out, how different would the advice be for people? who are then progressing later on in their career. They're, they're maybe st- stagnated at senior level, or they want to get to a higher senior level. Would, would the le- some of the lessons still be the same or is there anything else you, you'd guide people on? I think majority of it's still the core forefront. I don't yeah. think, you know, the higher up the food chain you get, I still think the simple, the, the, the simple... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm coughing, you can't speak. <laughs> exactly. The more simple you can keep things, um, and the more streamlined the process, then I think the better. You know, yeah. it's not something that's outside the square. I think you just got to be really confident in, in in your approach. But also, if you're getting up to a really high level, and there's certain things you think, oh, well, I'm the CEO of a company, and actually, I don't know that. Yeah. Then don't be afraid. Yeah. You know, there's people around you to help. Love that. I think Steve Jobs said, wasn't it? It takes, it takes a genius to make something simple. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Anyone can make something complicated. Yeah. Um, again, even even more specific. So, in terms of CVs, interviews, and preparing things like that. So, mm-hmm. guidance for people from a CV point of view. Is it, you see CVs all the time. Yeah. Um, and obviously, 
from, from the businesses back in Australia as well. Is there anything you, you particularly go, this is a great tip. When I look at CVs, I see this, and this, this is some guidance I, I, I give to people. This is what I look for on a CV. I, I, I tend to rely on gut feel a lot. Okay. So if I see a CV where I think it's probably borderline, and I'll ring them straight away and just have an initial phone call with them and nice. just get a bit of a bit of a sense of who they are and, and the way they carry themselves. And if I if I feel like they could be good for the position, then I'll definitely get them in for a chat face to face. Always face to face. I just can't can't do anything. I need to I need to sit there and read body language yeah. and know in a sense. Um, I don't mind confidence in a CV. Yeah. You know, I, I really struggled with it early on in being able to portray your skills, you know, you, you are selling yourself. So for anyone out there that's going down the path of getting a job, don't be afraid to sell yourself to the highest level. Yeah. You know, embrace your skills, embrace what you've done, be confident about it because that's what I look for in, in someone with some confidence and even on paper, you know, don't be afraid to say, I'm going to be perfect fit for this position because of this, 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 and this. Yeah. I'd much rather see that than someone just telling you what you need to hear. So I, I like an honest, an honest CV. If there is a thing, yeah, I think it's you know you, you've got to be able to showcase your skills, and I just I just find that I relate better to that as a person. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell if someone has put passion into a CV. Yeah. Again, a common theme has come up as well is, and it ties in what you said. I think you said someone had writes down something like perfect because of this, this, and this. Yeah that means that person most likely has taken the time to tailor their CV for that role. And people don't do that anywhere near enough. No. It's a generic, I've done my CV, I send it across, it's just a piece of paper. It's I see that not, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that a hell of a lot. You've got to care enough yep. to tailor that, your job positions, roles, your achievements. Because some of the achievements you had might not be relevant for one particular role, so you might not have it. But for another one, in a different sector, or a different brand, or within Pilates, or whatever it might be, you want to accentuate that, so you care enough to change it. And research. Yeah. Do your research yeah. on the job you're actually going for. Absolutely. That, that would be a big one. And you're right. You're yeah. 100% spot on, Lawrence. So every time you see someone that's just cut and pasted from one job to the other, it's it's very obvious. Yeah, it is obvious. And for someone who runs a business or someone who's done recruitment, it's it, it, it obvious. And people need to learn that. People need to develop. You. The other word I'd like to come back to as well is you said about when you see this bit borderline. Do you, do you mind, what do you mean by borderline? Is it in terms of their skill set for the role? I would say skill yeah. set for the role. Not yeah. things like spelling just, grammar. No, not at all. I, I just think if they're a little bit underqualified for a role and they're a certain type of person, if you think that you can mould that person into a good individual and a good fit for the role, then I'm more than happy to put time into that person Yeah. if they're the right fit. You know, pardon my French, but I... I, I might be the Australian in me, but I rely on a no dickhead policy. It's more it's more working with good people and you probably back yourself as a leader and a you know, a boss that you'll be able to then upskill them for the role. Yeah. If they've just got just about the qualifications or they're they're a little bit junior um, then I would I would put some time to that person. Absolutely, we 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 internally. It's come up in a couple, couple of podcasts so far. A book I read recently, "Good to Great" by Jim Collins. He talks about it's people first. Yeah. You start with people. Absolutely. Get a right get a per, the right person on the bus, and then you figure out what seats best for them once once on the bus. But longer I've I've gone, the older I've got, the more I believe that to be true. Yeah, a hundred percent. And we we stuck by that sort of process throughout our business ventures, and it's worked for us so far. So nice. you know, I'm not. Not in a hurry to change that mentality. Nice. So you've look, you looked at CVs, you found something like, you, you give them a screening call, they're now sat in front of you. 
What, what do you expect of someone you interview? What kind of preparation, or I guess preparation probably is one in itself. What, what are you expecting to see when someone sits in front of you? I like confidence. I, I really do. Um, it's a tough thing interviewing for a role when you think this could be your career and you're going down a path. I look for someone that's got passion, not just a job. Yeah. You know, everyone can sit there and take a paycheck from somewhere, but if it's a passion and you and you are driven and you want to get somewhere in that career, then that's sort of there's some of the the attributes that I look for. Love it. Um, I love people asking questions of us rather yeah. than than us sort of dictating and obviously there's certain questions you need to ask um, to fulfill that role as a business person but I love people that sit there that are confident that can ask questions and that are thoroughly researched they know who Strong Pilates is when they're coming in for a job they know what role they're applying for and they've they've got the the skills what kind of um I want to ask you about challenges of equipment if I, if I may for just a little bit and I want to do it from kind of two angles one if if you don't mind kind of challenge the kind of challenges you face currently in terms of equipment what what are the typical things you're facing but also maybe a comparison to what you experienced in australia to now are the similarities or is it quite different i think that the biggest thing for us is because we're such a brand new concept over here I, I find that it takes a little while for people to get their head around exactly who we're looking for absolutely and more so from a trainer's perspective from our franchisees it's going through the academy process and selecting um, the, the right person because it's it's unique yeah you know you sort of there's a lot going on with our classes you've got a you've got a microphone you've got a clicker that the, the next exercise will roll on to you've got music levels that go up and down you've got lights that turn on not everyone can do four things at once <laughs> so it's quite tough um, yeah I'm out by the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I probably probably do notice is I find that I think the Pilates and yoga industry is probably where Australia was five years ago okay. over here. I feel that the, the enormous amount of growth that Australia has had over the last five years in, in our industry has been exceptional. So in turn, there's a lot more Pilates programs out there. There's a lot more personal training courses out there at the moment that are very specific to the needs. Nice. And I feel that there's a real ability here to be to be leading the charge on that front. Does that make it easier to find people because there's so much more conversations that's more established? Yeah. There's, there's a lot more sort of governing bodies in the Pilates space that are you know, providing qualifications for, for individuals to then go out and, yeah. and instruct and coach. And I, I just feel like it's just opened our world up to some really good trainers in our network at home in Oz. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, we've found some really great trainers over here in the UK and the industry itself is really well governed. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, We've still got a bit of a way to go. Nice. How important is there, because obviously it's a re- still a relatively new brand that people don't get, um, in terms of you guys having the narrative piece mm. to get them excited, to, to really believe and understand what it is you're gunning for. How important is that? Have you spent a lot of time on that? Yeah, we have. And I mean, uh, education is a really big piece of what we do because yeah. we are a brand new concept, because we are pushing the boundaries and we're a hybrid model of Pilates. It's kind of hard for people to get their head around, but it's changing perception of what they think Pilates is. Yeah, Reformer Pilates is a fantastic method of training and it's more of a traditional sense, but we are then going to the next level and providing an add-on to that. So we are a hybrid and it's hard for people to just get their head around. A lot of, most common thing we get is, this isn't Pilates. Well, it is but 
it's pushing the boundaries and it's a hybrid, you know, and, and people have this burnt image in their brain of what Pilates should be. Is there a lot of Pilates traditionalist almost? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And there is a space for that. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I love traditional forms yeah. of Pilates, both Matt and on a reformer, but there's room <laughs> to be able to get another product into the market with great benefit. Yeah. So that's our biggest challenge is just identifying how we actually go about that process and we onboard our franchise partners along the lines of these are the common questions you get you know well we didn't do much pilates today we just did weights well that's okay we do have traditional pilates aspects but our programming is very refined and detailed we've got a 12-week progressive scale we change it every every four weeks for the blocks you know it's it's different. I find that not many in our space have a dedicated. We've got five on our programming team at home in Australia. There's not many in our in our space that have five people on their actual programming team. So yeah. for us, we are we are calculated. It's we're not just slapping workouts together <laughs> and you go out there. We're, we're actually doing research behind the why of what we yeah. do for the strong method, which is amazing. And in my, um, I don't know if this was, this was found in Australia. Surely. The fact you do the hybrid, it gives a. F- I know it's obviously a lot of reformers, but even if it's, if it's just a flavour, people do have the perception that it's more of a dumbbell workout. It still exposes people to Pilates. So people might start it, expands the industry, expands the sector, expands the, the understanding of what Pilates actually is, isn't it? People might go and go, oh, I actually really love that element of it. I'll go do more of it. The whole industry gets bigger, doesn't it? it does. Is that what happened? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, f- I feel that, you know, back home in Oz, yes, there is. There is a boutique Pilates studio with more than 15 beds nearly on every corner now. And, you know, the, the market is thriving yeah. and it continues to thrive. But we've added on a nice layer to that in saying, well, you like Pilates. Do you like also to go and get your cardio and your strength somewhere else? Yes, I do. Well, then you're for us, you know. Yeah. And there's plenty of people out there like that. So, yeah, that's what I would say to someone is that, you know, a lot of people do go down the traditional route. But some of them are left wanting after their workout and you know where for those people love it i'm conscious of time no, that's fine so i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna start to, to to draw to a close with just a few more questions if that's okay yeah what advice if you could go back and give your 21 year old self some advice for their career again and knowing what you know now <laughs> what, what, what advice would it be for that young man in a sporting sense, probably rehab my first shoulder of reconstruction <laughs> yeah. better. Don't let it go so bad. <laughs> <laughs> to do all your rehab. Um, oh, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think I, I would probably tap into a lot. More, like, even though I had some great mentors, I would broaden my horizon and go to a few different um, areas of expertise rather than just going to business and sport. I'd sort of... I think I missed a trick a little bit earlier on and like I just think the amount of work we have on at the moment I would love to go down a path of you know practicing meditation or focusing on mental health aspect of things rather than actually just physical and grind you know I would love to go down a path of, of actually practicing a little bit more how to shut out the noise you know take the distractions away that's probably my only real thing that I would look back on and go well maybe I should have got into that earlier mate I can be I know, I know we've spoken off camera about this mm. and I completely concur I wish I'd discovered it earlier as well in the sort of two or three four years I've discovered it myself as well and it's it's had a huge impact on me mm. and you listen to people like Ray Dardy and stuff talk about it mm. and it's like well 
yeah. clearly, clearly there's something to it and I've got so much from it so I can certainly empathise with that as well last question I always ask people is we always like to invite further people on that we that, that has a connection to the guests we've had is there anybody you've come across in your in your in your career obviously it's been UK potentially who who you'd recommend as a guest for Love Your Career podcast that you think could add value that you've come across you are my, you'd, that person make a great guest for you Lawrence if you could recommend somebody who would it be Tell you what, in a business sense, from all the people that I played with, you'd probably look at um, well, the most successful Steve Smith, probably by a mile. I mean, he's invested in some koala mattress and yeah, know, trans transformed that that space. But it's an interesting one. I would love to have Steve Smith on here, by the way. Yeah, that, that would, that would be trying, I, I, he's in the UK right now. Phone calls lately, so I have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll have to think about that one. That's fine, buddy. Absolutely fine. But uh, yeah, I think um, one of the world's greatest ever batsmen in that chair would, would, would be pretty <laughs> awesome. That would be amazing. Obviously, mate, thank you so much for time. It's been an absolute delight. I've gen generally enjoyed, like I said, right at the top, every conversation we've had, and this has been nothing short of brilliant for that as well. So really appreciate the time and the information and the guidance you've given today. Ah, thanks, Lawrence. I really appreciate it. And thank you for lending a hand with Love Recruitment as well. Your, your team's very good, and we, we appreciate all your work. We love working with you, mate. We love working with you. Brilliant. Hope you liked that podcast and enjoyed it and take, taken uh, as much information as actually what I did when I was scratching down information during the course of it. You may have heard me scratching down notes as, as the process went on. Here are my three things that I've taken away as my key learnings. The first one is, as John described, about discipline and work ethic being key skills that transferred from his elite sporting background into business. He obviously mentioned a couple more things, but the simplicity of discipline and work ethic. Uh, second point for me was about working together. He raised a really good point about the industry has become at its best. And this has certainly happened more and more over time. At its best when everyone's sharing best practice and working together, almost not being too protectionist. Let's help each other. And my last point was learning from people who have come before you. I, I say this all the time to the team, I'm sure it's very annoying, but um, there's, there's books or things been written by people much smarter than I. And he raised that point of learn people have come before you. Be you, always do it your way, but, but, but learn from what's happened before. Thanks very much. This is the Love Your Career podcast. The point of this podcast is simple. Listen to leaders, their stories, and improve your career.